And welcome to Hometown Daily. Season 2, episode 273 for September 30th, 2023. Tonight we're going to discuss the fact that the Las Vegas fear is awesome. Earthworms are easily the biggest contributors. Apple Pencil 3 with magnetic tips. And there's a typo in that title. I'll fix it. Smart glasses need to be stylish. Somebody else is saying it finally. Phone allows thief to steal gas at pump. How about the fastest dog sets world record, but questions hit the brakes. Antimatter observed falling. Suspended after police raid newspaper. Lower decks is high in my ranking and naturally in the red. Next on. Yeah, there's no audio component to that that says hometown daily, but that's what you're kind of listening to now, right? I mean, we're all in the right place, are we? Hello? I think so. I'm here for the show. I don't know about you. Uh, I'm just here so I don't get fined. So, uh, all the articles are all set up. So let's knock them down. Let's get into this. It's Saturday. Oh my gosh, it's Saturday. It's 8 p.m. Saturday. Time is flying by. September 30th, 8 p.m. Um, we're on the verge of kind of kicking the can down the road for 45 more days, right? Guess we'll just monitor that situation. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about the news. So let's get into it. So you um, two decided to have a concert over at the Las Vegas here. I think that's how you're supposed to pronounce that here. Stars pack U2 debut at Las Vegas Sphere. The article here says it doesn't happen often in Las Vegas, but the members of U2 were far from the most famous people in the venue Friday night. Legendary Irish band opened its U2 UV Achtung baby. Why UV? Anyway, residency at the MSG here. They're going to be staying. At, I had no idea. Ooh, that's a hot yeah, S I didn't there. know it was a residency. Wow. Okay. Man, this place. I wonder how... I know that it's like 100 bucks to park in this place. Yes, because that was in Hometown, although we didn't do it. Decided not to. Right. Yeah. Um, but if you've never seen a demonstration of what the seer does oh my god you need to go and check it out um inside and outside are led panels the whole thing is wrapped in it and it's basically the equivalent of a high resolution led panel not, not like a normal board where you walk up to it and you can see everything like just oh you lose the entire resolution you can be apparently pretty close up and you still see what's going on in this thing and inside it's even better i watched a, a quick scene where u2 was about to start and 
the video is recorded from like in the nosebleed section where you have to bring in your own oxygen tanks otherwise you'll pass out and the way that the roof is sloped it actually curves up towards you it's not a big sphere inside because there's office space and other stuff inside conference rooms and and um, like halls and stuff my understanding is um but inside the main concert hall it's got a sloped roof kind of like you would see in an opera house you know but they can simulate a round space a square space any space because it's a simulation a giant simulation and they had letters cascading all around the sphere and then the roof slowly slid down and stopped right above the people in the highest level of the grandstands but it was like a square space at that point not the website and it, it wasn't a site for making your own websites it is not a site for making your own websites and they're also not a sponsor by the way so but i thought it was amazing it was so cool i want to go see this um but this is how big this thing is some 30,000 people apparently quoted in here is bigger than even better than the real thing um but the real star of the video screen enveloping the audience las vegas publicity firms have cried wolf over using the word immersive to describe their new clients attractions but the visual accompanying u2's two hour show at the 2.3 million dollar venue were truly next level i don't think that that's i think that's not millions it's billions 2.3 billion dollar venue right this thing is amazing anything can be displayed so one of the uh, pictures that i saw was basically u2 playing in an open air amphitheater kind of a setting with the parking lot in las vegas behind it but that's not what's really there this is so high resolution this is inside the stadium inside the sphere yeah that's pretty amazing yeah and and you two looks like specs on a stage it, they look like they're actually on a turntable but um i thought this is amazing i have to see this and this is what i want behind me i want this resolution of panel behind me but to do something like this is probably a quarter million dollars um for that wall that wall behind me is about 10 feet behind me um and so it's um i'm not sure the area i think that space to do is um eight feet wide so for me to actually extend it and and my camera zoomed in um anyway i'm rambling because what i want is this behind me um and then you want I can, the sphere i like i want the in gnome town yes i'm hoping that the lottery hits uh 2.3 billion dollars um and then i'm going to finance my own sphere uh, in in my new house so uh during the show bono said the band would play a selection from different album and from a different album in each show uh this was probably why the screen went dark during its four song exploration of 1988's rattle and hum so they talked about what the site list was 
or the set list, the night set list is. What are you doing? <laughs> the, y'all can't see it. I'm looking it, at the set list. But the, the AI is uh, concentrating on the set list. Hey, you know what? You should probably grab an old iPhone because U2's album is probably still <laughs> being sent to people. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> uh, that's pretty funny. So the band's 25 show residency, which runs through December 16th, is completely sold out. I can imagine. Uh, I think the venue is just amazing. Uh, and, and frankly, the the art to me, it's the tech. The artist is just icing on the cake. But to me, the main... <laughs> <laughs> the, the main show is the actual screen. I, I wish I could go and see it. Um, but uh, trapped in Gnome Town. So they had a whole bunch of people there. Matt Damon. <clears throat> Oscar De La Hoya was in there. Wow, LeBron James. Right. All kinds of people. Neil Patrick Harris were there. Wow, okay. Anyway. I guess it was the place to be. So the article is actually housed over at casino.org, one of the um, sources for information for this particular channel, which is Rounders Gear, which is all about equipment for table gaming. Um, and uh, so Corey Levitan is the author of this article. And the title again is Stars Pack U2 Debut at Las Vegas Sphere. I can't. Can you imagine if they would have hit their budget limit and then they couldn't extend it? Because this thing is twice the cost that it originally intended to be. But no, they, I can't. I mean, but it's they pretty obviously about the budget to begin with. They obviously felt that this had legs, and so they just kept pumping money into it. And well, think and how then, much this is going to draw people to Las Vegas. I mean. Yeah. People are already drawn to it, but yeah, some of the older um, hotels and stuff are getting a, a, a really, a really bad, um, you know, street cred. You know, they're they're starting to get shabby, and people are going. You know, if you don't find a body underneath your mattress, then it's probably not a, not even a quality hotel sorry the ai is actually going what <laughs> yeah i don't know the you know the ones that are affordable um all have like problems um but apparently you don't go there to get a night's sleep you go there to live the las vegas atmosphere um you know like that like from office space tchotchkes you go for the atmosphere and the fun right <laughs> Anyway, let's keep going. Uh, this next article is over in the Mobile Channel. Earthworms contribute to 6.5% uh, of world grain production, according to a study. Um, I love this stat. Um, I'm not, I'm not too into the whole earthworms kind of a thing. I, I grew up with. Uh, you know, fishing and stuff like that. And as time went on, I'm like, meh. Somewhere out there is a, a large uh, bass that has my very first uh, fr fishing rod probably still attached to it because <laughs> it yeeted it right out of my hands. 
Um, but this here says most gardeners know that earthworms help keep soils healthy. Now scientists have assessed just how important their underground activities are to global food production and how to protect them. Uh, the articles over at uh, fizz.org. I don't see an author for credit. Huh, kind of a bummer here. Um, in research published Tuesday, scientists found that earthworms may be to thank for more than 6% of global grain yields every year because of their crucial, crucial role in soil ecosystems. Worms help to decompose dead plant material, releasing nutrients plants need to grow, and their tunneling helps plant uh, root growth, among other benefits. Evidence suggests that they also help plants protect themselves against common soil pathogens by stimulating their defenses. Yes, I too uh, have my defenses stimulated by things rubbing up against my roots. I mean, the plants are basically like, oh my god, the earthworms are coming, but then that's actually helping the plants. Yeah, it's like sitting at a table and a cat rubs up against your leg and you're like, what the? Or maybe bites your toes if you don't feed them fast enough. You know, researchers writing in the journal Nature Communications analyzed maps of earthworm populations, soil properties, crop yields, and previous studies of plant productivity to estimate the creature's impact on the global production of key crops. They say contribution was defined as the percentage of the yield made possible thanks to earthworms. But really, how do you truly know? Because just because a, a crop doesn't have the same yield as the crop that has earthworms doesn't necessarily mean that it is that across the board. So I think there's some risk management. Um, some calculus is definitely involved. So the annual total amounted to, two, to more than 140 million metric tons, according to the study. Not bad. Earthworms also contributed 2.3% of global production of legumes, foods that include peas, lentils, chickpeas, soybeans, and alfalfa. I didn't know that alfalfa was a legume. No, I didn't either. Hmm interesting they're very nebulous about it like authors were and researchers well i in... might have said at the end let me see oh no it doesn't say at the end um maybe down here it just says in stephen font earthworms contribute significantly to global food production but it doesn't say anything about the article yeah who wrote the actual article but um, Stephen is mentioned up here in the article itself. So their contrib contribution may be even larger, said Stephen Font, an associate professor uh, at uh, Colorado State University in the United States who co-authored the study. But they're the only one that's actually named in the uh, article's submission. So weird. Anyway, pretty cool. There you go. Everything over there okay with the AI? Yes, there was a an issue with wires getting mm, crossed in hometown. Got it, got it. Let's go on to the next article. This one is actually rumor. 
Uh, and I'm not too hip to rumors, but I think this one is pretty innocuous, you know. Uh, this one's in the Smack Talk channel. Apple Pencil 3 leak claims changeable magnetic tips are on the way. Third generation. Apple Pencil could use interchangeable tips, a leaker claims. How would you like that as your title? So what do you do for a living? I'm a leaker. Yeah, that, that's not good. Mm. Well, you should probably talk to some professional about that. With different, different magnetic tips used for a variety of different purposes, an Apple Pencil nib is probably featured in, as an image in this. Uh, so let's go over and check it out. Malcolm Owen is the author at um, appleinsider.com that put this article together. And there isn't a, a deck statement, but according to a Saturday tweet by Serial Leaker, <laughs> Imagine Boo. Sounds funnier than just leaker. That's right, serial leaker. Um, so Imagine Boo is uh, on the website formerly known as Twitter. Apple's next iteration of stylus could offer consumers a similar ability to adjust how their Apple Pencil works. In the tweet, Boo's source claims the Apple Pencil 3 will ship with interchangeable magnetic tips. I think that's awesome. So um, this is the old style Apple Pencil, I believe. Um, that, that, that's the impression I'm getting, but eh, I don't know. Um, at any rate, these little things, depending on the surface of your tablet, they wear down and, and pretty much anything that creates friction, it'll eventually wear it down. You have to replace them. But people lose them almost immediately. Because uh, they're tiny. I was thinking when I look at the picture. Yeah, they're tiny little things, and um, I'm not quite sure what the magnetic side of this is going to be because I can see people twiddling around with their stuff and with their pencil, you know, and like some magnetic tip go flying off or. Exactly, it's going to be a, an issue. I think some um, people just lose their pencil altogether. <laughs> yes yes they do and at a hundred dollars a pop it isn't a uh you know a favorite pastime um so while there are relatively few leaks about third generation apple pencil it's been quite a while since apple last updated its stylus yeah but if it works then you don't fix it and it works just fine the thing about this is though drawing on the tablet on um, iPad um, or iPad Pro or iPad mini um, man that thing is just super slick and so you have to change your brain if you are a traditional artist um, or you buy um, a little mat that goes over it right it, it just like any other screen protector except that this one actually creates a paper like and i think that's what they call them paper like um screen protector and so it creates a little bit of friction but that little bit of friction increases the wear and tear on those nibs so invest in these nibs these magnetic ones are going to have additional production costs which are going to raise the price and so i can see that the pencil three is probably going to come in at like 150 bucks um, which to me is just freaking ridiculous maybe they'll swallow that and it'll stay 99 bucks um, or 129 bucks but um, why in this economy 
apparently there's money abound um so everybody can just run out and buy a 150 dollars pencil or a hundred dollar pencil for that matter sure why not anyway i i'm not really complaining about the apple pencil because once you use it uh, for artwork you never go back you're ne- there is nothing else to go back to so what i might be interested in seeing is um if uh wacom tablets will work with uh a um, like an ipad or something like that where you get uh, additional flexibility because there's macros and stuff like that and you're not drawing directly on the screen um which can obstruct your view and whatnot but to me i say change your work habit um and uh draw directly on the screen of the ipad makes life a lot easier i don't know you'll figure it out if you're an artist out there lots of apps lots of new gadgets and now a new pencil three coming to the market sounds like fun okay so the ai is like yep but not saying i don't use a pencil so i i don't have much expertise in this area i know so the next article is over in hometown daily smart glasses need to be stylish to really go mainstream this is over at the verge this is exactly what i've been saying um ever since the very first smart glasses which was uh google glass um google glasses were pretty much the first mainstream attempt at smart glasses and then people were named glass holes because they would wear them in stupid places and do stupid things with them um well the closest thing to something approaching stylish acceptable mainstream glasses are probably these it's over at the verge smart glasses need to be stylish to really go mainstream victoria song is the author the deck statement says the ray-ban meta smart glasses pack a punch of promising updates including 150 style variations across two frames but that's not enough if people don't dig the look they're ray-bans so people are going to dig the look the one thing that's odd about them is that the the little hinging area on the where you know the ear pieces go it seems a little bit clunkier and it turns the glasses into a butterfly frame instead of something that is like this right so small oh, okay. compact right. uh inobtrusive but these actually command people to look at them so i hope that out of these other style this is two frames if they all look like that i think that they're still a little too big um people don't know not, i mean they've come a long way but yeah that's not necessarily going to be enough yeah so the author says when they first saw the ray-ban meta smart glasses a few weeks ago they noticed something in the uh, event space meta had so carefully prepared there was a wall showcasing the different frames colors and lenses um it was meant to visualize all of the different style options more than 150 in fact but standing about 10 feet away they all blended together and that bothered the author i'm not quite sure why um let's see if they see they show them but 
really it's just two frames, but there's different lens types, different colors for the frames. Um, but the, the lens or the, the style of it is the exact same and it is completely within the wheelhouse of Ray-Ban's styling. Uh, I don't think anything changed the Ray-Ban styling except these little cameras. It says they look better as sunglasses, but that makes them largely useless indoors. I don't know. Um, some people wear their sunglasses indoors. I don't know if these, I don't know what the full capabilities of these lenses are anymore um, or what these glasses are anymore. Um, so I'm probably going to end up doing a deeper dive into this thing, but at $300 a, uh, a pop, they aren't that expensive in terms of being glasses, being Ray-Ban glasses. People that have prescription lenses, the, the moment you try and get prescription lenses for something like Ray-Ban, you're looking at 400, 500, $600. Exactly. So this seems like a relative bargain. And, and the reason why it's like that is because there's no competition. There's only one company that pretty much produces all lenses. Um, and you're kind of up a creek if you want anything other than them. Because every uh, eyeglass uh, what shop gets those lenses from that company. In terms of um, high quality lenses and custom um prescription lenses you're paying this premium price because of lack of competition but i think the sunglasses aspect is a problem because you cannot wear sunglasses indoors and not attract negative attention from people true why are you wearing sunglasses inside see but if these lenses have the ability to transition like transitions lenses have but then you're going to be looking at 600 bucks easy um so i don't know i like the idea of this i don't like that it's meta i also uh don't like a 300 dollars starting price probably um, but they make mention of what i made mention of um which was google glass says limited style options were a problem that they've had with every pair of smart glasses they've ever worn from the defunct focals by north to the bose frames and nearly every prototype of google glass uh, their statement is they look like a total a jabroni in the bose frames tempo um, that's their statement that's because smart glasses generally speaking are tricky to do well you have to provide uh, a compelling use case cram in enough tech to make sure that they work well without being uncomfortable and they have to look good well the way i see it is i would rather buy the x-real um xr um glasses so they used to be called n-reels now they're x-real and they attach to whatever device you have iphone or android um they have smart functions they interact with your electronic device. They throw up a 210 or 120 inch screen, depending on the tech that you have at hand. Um, and they look like regular glasses until you get up close to somebody. Um, but they are also tinted lenses. So 
no matter what. Uh, but you can always, I mean, I've worn sunglasses inside and people have asked, you know, why are you wearing sunglasses inside? Although they were associates of mine. Um, and I'll say, cause my eyes hurt or whatever. Um, and, uh, it, strangers aren't going to really care. You're going to get looks, but if you get these just plain lensed, I think that it'll be fine. But then they're unitasks, you know, the, the most functionality is going to be in the sunglasses category. Cause you're going to be outside and able to interact with information that they provide through the glasses. I still think that the X reels are better off. Um, and, uh, you can get that and it's companion little, um, it's basically a, a connection to your smart device, um, for 400 bucks. And there's going to be greater utility there than I think from these meta smart glasses. Anyway, let's keep on hustling through these. The next article is over at Gnometown Daily. A thief stole gas worth $3,000 from a filling station by hacking the pump with his phone's Bluetooth, according to a report. Police are investigating the theft of $3,000 of gas at a filling station in Detroit. The store says the pump uh, was hacked using Bluetooth to override the payment system, and it comes after gas prices in the U.S. hit records high this summer. Huh. Okay, so if this is easily done, we have a major problem. I don't think it's easily done. Um, the article is over at uh, businessinsider.com. Let me, I didn't throw it into the chat, so let me throw it in the chat real quick. Uh, you would have to know some zero day flaw. Um, Polly Thompson, I think it's an insider or somebody who knows an insider. Um, Polly Thompson over at businessinsider.com, uh, put the article together and maybe a proof of, um, concept for the ability to do this. And, uh, they don't have a deck statement, but their little tech takeaways are the store says that the pump was hacked using Bluetooth to override the payment system. Let's see. The owner named Mo said that it was essentially meant free gas for everyone. They can take as much as they want and allow other vehicles to pump gas as well, since they can do it from 30 feet away um, or more if they've got a longer uh, antenna. The thief seems to have used Bluetooth to gain control of the gas pump and override its payment system at a shell station in Detroit's west side. It says a large car can hold up. Uh, well, they're talking about cars and I don't really care about that, but they say that they're investigating the incident, uh, but couldn't confirm how they were hacked. We don't know what kind of device was used. Interesting. So they don't really know anything about this, um, but I would probably think... I bet they know more than they're letting on, right? Yeah. Um, let me see something. Um... Sorry for the dead air. Yeah, I don't know. I would probably, I suspect that this is somebody utilizing a thing called the flipper zero. Um, yeah, it's basically a multi-tool. 
um, for pen testing and hacking. Um, and it can do a, a whole host of things. And it, at one point it was being used to unlock vehicles and stuff like that. Uh, so I would probably suspect that somebody knows something about the point of sale system and some weakness that's in um, the, the system, like a backdoor. And how they figured it out, I don't know. Um, but I'm also suspecting that this isn't Bluetooth specific. I think that this is something a little bit more endemic to um, the infrastructure of the payment systems and transferring information from the pumps. So uh, again, I don't think that it's actually Bluetooth, but we'll see. Um, I find it interesting though. I also wonder how there was 800 gallons of gas stolen because that's a lot of pumping time. Well, Unless based it was on just like repeated visits or something. Based on this, they unlocked all of the uh, pumps. It, it wasn't a matter of them uh, pulling the gas. They unlocked it for everybody that was at the station. Um, I suppose you wouldn't know about it until you start accounting <laughs> because it's all electronic payments, you know? So if somebody just shut it all down, unless a manager is sitting there haunting the, uh, the books, which they really should be doing anyway, you know, hourly checks on what the return on investment is. Um, yeah, I find it interesting that so much, maybe it's over a longer period of time than, um, we suspect because it doesn't say, right. Right. Yeah. But also so. you'd think customers might've said something because like if it wouldn't accept payment or what, it just seems like things would have been off. Yeah. Or they did. And that's how they discovered that it was giving gas for free. Pretty interesting. All right, let's keep on going. This next article is over in hometown daily. Uh, police find a car owner after a speed camera appeared to show a dog behind the wheel. <laughs> this one is, titled, you know, we've seen all kinds of weird stops lately, right? The kids driving 200 miles down the highway. <laughs> yep. Yep. I love this. We're six into it and I'm missing one. So let's see. Sorry. Um, Maybe it's that one. Yeah, there we go. So sorry about the data error. Um, this is the article. There you go in chat. So um, this article here is uh, police find a car owner after a speed camera appeared to show a dog behind the wheel. Let's just go straight on over to the source. So okay, the that's article. the actual image. Yeah. Yeah, the image <laughs> caught by a speed camera appearing to show a dog at the wheel of a Skoda. Um, the uh, articles over at businessinsider.com. Polly Thompson is the author. I I wonder what that is though. That may not be. I guess the dog could be in his lap. Um, or maybe, uh, or maybe the person's not in the driver's seat at all. But then, how is the car driving? Right. 
Um, the photograph taken at or by a speed camera in Slovakia appeared to show a dog behind the wheel of the car. Police said the vehicle owner claimed that his dog had suddenly jumped onto his lap. Officers found no evidence to support his claim and issued him a fine. How can they not? No evidence to support his claim. How about the fact that there's a dog sitting in the wheel? Well, right. I mean, <laughs> I mean he's still driving the car Was safely. Was the car driving? Well, that's the thing. Was it driving erratically? Um... Right. It was it was going 6.8 miles over the speed limit in the village of Staruzi in Western Slovakia. Come on, this is silly. Give him a ticket for um, speeding, sure. But 6.8 miles over the speed limit, that's, come on. I think that's silly. Um, that's not even reckless. He could have been contending with the dog jumping on and he should, maybe they should find him for having the dog free rain right like distracted know. driving or whatever yeah slovakian police said in a post on facebook on friday that the image showed a brown dog sitting obediently behind the wheel of a skoda per an english transit that's not necessarily obedient it's a speed camera shot come on well it's not jumping up and down i mean it's definitely in a like a still position but we don't know what was going on and it's a still you have no idea yeah. what it what's going on however officer said in the post that there hadn't been any sudden movement in the car and that they find the man for violating traffic regulations it's not clear how much he was fined anyway i guess it's actually a still from a video and there's no evidence that the dog jumped onto his lap because they saw the full video of it i don't know it could have been outside the camera's view when it took place if you're driving you could come into the view of the camera and suddenly you know this video condemns you to a fine i think it's silly i'd be miffed you know as a a dog owner um like man that dog just cost me x amount of money but what are you gonna do well, Put I your know dog I, in a crate when you're driving or it, whatever. Yep, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. I would probably make sure my dog is secure before I go driving. Definitely do something like um, some type of a seatbelt harness that would keep them ensconced in the seat and not in my lap whenever the mood struck them. Oh, well, let's keep on going. a funny picture though how much do you think they were laughing at the police station when they showed that <laughs> they probably couldn't believe it um well, hey there's a dog driving and it got a speeding ticket typical dogs just like to race so this next article is over in the mobile channel mysterious antimatter observed falling down for first time <clears throat> in the pardon me Sorry about that. <laughs> and the AI just kind of looked at me. Um, mysterious antimatter observed falling down for the first time. Um, let's see if I can say this multiple times here. For the first time, scientists have observed antimatter particles. The mysterious twins. How many times? Of the, at least three. Uh, here's the fourth. 
um, the mysterious twins of the visible matter all around us falling downwards due to the effect of gravity, Europe, Europe's physics lab CERN announced on Wednesday. Um, Daniel Lawler is the author of this over at phys.org. And um, here are some people that are uh, physicists. I think that's a typo, which is kind of funny. Um, physicists at CERN use a 25 centimeter long cylinder called Alpha G to observe, I think, antimatter um, is the the name of it here. I'll even, yeah, to observe antimatter falling down towards or downwards due to gravity. Um, and uh, what I would call this is here are physicists hoping that a black hole just ends it all. Um, because that was the big fear with firing up you know, Large Hadron Collider and pretty much anything in physical sciences. It's the end of the world, folks. It's the end of the world. I think that was a bit wrong, given yeah, just how long bit. it's been around. Yeah, just a little bit. Oh, they just haven't gotten to that point yet. It's always the next Wednesday they're going to create a black hole and destroy the Earth. Now, the experiment was hailed as a huge milestone, although most physicists anticipated the result, and it had been predicted by Einstein's 1915 theory of relativity. It definitely rules out that gravity repels antimatter upwards, a finding that would have been upended our uh, fundamental understanding of the universe. Antimatter. Matter falls, antimatter goes up. Sure. Um, it says here, however, there is virtually no antimatter in the universe, which prompted one of the greatest mysteries of physics. What happened to all the antimatter? Quote, half the universe is missing, said Jeffrey Hengst, a member of CERN's Alpha Collaboration in Geneva, which conducted the new experiment. Um, oh, and we get a, a brief news alert from Sheldon from Big Bang Theory saying that, well, I could tell you where all the antimatter is, but then bazinga. Uh, <laughs> anyway, the rest of the article says, uh, in principle, we could build a universe, everything we know about uh, with only antimatter, and it would, would, would work in exactly the same way, except that antimatter would destroy matter if it ever came into contact with it. So where is this antimatter? They say half And why the... is only the antimatter missing? Right. Yeah, there's also dark energy somewhere. I don't think that's antimatter. Um, so physicists believe that matter and antimatter did meet and almost entirely destroyed each other after the Big Bang. So what we see is only the matter part, not antimatter part. And there's still enough antimatter out there. Hmm, I don't know. There's something wrong with this. And I think it's because the simulation just doesn't account for something that might have been a glitch. And uh, now everybody thinks I mean, that it's... it's like Berenstain Bears spelled with an A. Uh, okay, you'll be okay. <laughs> One of the key outstanding questions about antimatter was whether gravity caused it to fall in the same way as normal matter. Most, uh, most physicists believe that it did. A few had speculated otherwise. So they built a, a big old experiment about it and, and <laughs> confirmed that it just falls. All right. I'm really curious because I don't think, I didn't think that it was capable. We, we were capable of seeing antimatter, but you know, maybe uh, we're not, but maybe we can measure where it is or something. 
Yeah, so it says here one problem was that antimatter barely exists outside of rare short-lived particles in outer space. However, in 1996, CERN scientists produced the first atoms of antimatter, antihydrogen. Another challenge was that because matter and antimatter have an opposite electrical charge, the moment that they meet, they destroy each other in a violent flash of energy. Scientists call annihilation. That's rather dramatic. Yeah, overactor. Um, so it says here around 80% of the anti-hydrogen went out of the bottom, which is a similar rate to how regular bouncing hydrogen atoms would have would behave if they were in the bottle. So this result published in the Nature Journal. No, in the journal Nature. <laughs> I flipped the entire sentence. Uh, published in the journal Nature shows that gravity causes antimatter to fall backwards, as predicted by Einstein's 1915. It falls downwards, not backwards. Downwards. My God, what is going on? Anyway, let me re-say that whole thing. This result, published in the journal Nature, shows that gravity causes antimatter to fall downwards, as predicted by Einstein's 1915 theory of relativity. Okay. I'll be okay. This is why I have the sentient AI keeping tabs on me. Otherwise, I don't know. Maybe I'll just go full on chat GPT on y'all and just spew out complete garbage. Other attempts to better understand antimatter include using CERN's Large Hadron Collider to investigate strange particles called the beauty quarks. Not the quarks from Deep Space Nine. They've got a bunch of I've stuff. I've never heard of a beauty quark. Like yeah, that's a new quark. one. Yeah, there's a lot of quarks out there. Uh, so, since both uh, should have annihilated each other completely in the early universe, the fact that we exist suggests that there is something we don't understand going on, he added. He being physicist Harry Cliff. Which is kind of like a description, and I guess also a name. I've said too much. Uh, the next article is over in the Mobile Channel. Kansas police chief suspended after raid on local newspaper. This is something that we've been following um, over the various months of the show. So let me just jump straight over to the source. Let me pause that because the headline... Uh, yeah, this the headlines don't have anything to do with that particular... The video doesn't have anything to do with the headline. Lauren Irwin over at The Hill put the article together. Kansas police chief suspended after raid on local newspaper. This actually comes after the newspaper and reporters were doing an investigation into the local mayor of the city um, and the police uh, chief and uh, conflicts of interest and certain treatment of certain people. Um, and uh, the mayor apparently, or someone in the administration managed to get the uh, police chief to raid uh, various people from the newspaper, including uh, Vice Mayor um, Ruth Herbal, um, the home of the publisher, Eric Mayer, um, and others apparently. But they said that it was that the reporter had committed identity theft alleging in previously unreleased court documents that the reporter impersonated someone or lied about her intentions when she obtained the driving records of a local business owner but that's not necessarily illegal that's called pretext 
Investigators do it all the time. People do it all the time. And unless you are a, a, a state official, a police person, um, an attorney, etc., there's only certain caveats. I can lie until the ethical compass sets itself on fire. But this isn't necessarily a justification for doing, well, a home invasion to try and freak somebody out. And that's what it was. Um, and it was all because they needed these driving records because it had to do with um, the, I think it was the mayor, right? They have this labeled as vice mayor Ruth Herbal, but I think that's not vice mayor. That's, I think the vice president of the newspaper. The specifics of it. Yeah, I think it's the vice president of the newspaper. Um, or well, maybe they it went is. to the home of the reporter. Yeah. And the, the reporter's room. mother died because of this incident. Exactly. Yeah, the stress. That's the allegation, anyway. Yeah, she was elderly, and but apparently of uh, well enough health at the time that that they wouldn't have died. Um, but the stress that this raid um, imposed on her may have led to her demise. Um, so shocking, but I guess where there's smoke, there's fire, and the Kansas police chief suspended after raid on local newspaper. Talk about abuse of power. None of these people should ever hold public office again if the facts hold out as presented in various reportings. Let's keep going. Uh, this next article is over in the continuity report. Star Trek's new beta zoids show how different Troy is. Um, and they do a really good job of setting this up that we might talk about spoilers from the latest episode of Lower Decks, season four, episode five, empathological fallacies. Um, and this is kind of one of the... This is one of the shows where I want to do a show about this show. Um, and so I'm going to jump straight on over to the source. Mark Donaldson is the author. I watch these um, every time they're on. I might actually watch it a couple of times because you always miss something. Um, but I love this stuff. And I have the, you know, the context of watching the previous series entirety, you know, from original series all the way up until lower decks and and uh, strange new worlds and yeah i think you can watch lower decks if you don't have um star trek history but you're missing a lot of references yeah there it it definitely makes the cookie chewier if you have a history a context that you can riff off of um this in particular um the article is over at ScreenRant.com. Mark Donaldson is the author. The deck statement says Star Trek's three new characters follow in the grand tradition of Luoxana Troy, uh, meaning that TNG's Deanna Troy is a very different type of beta betazoid. So betazoids are empathic um, persons. Um, they can feel emotions and in an excited state, they can cast off emotions. And um, so can um, uh, 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 Vulcans. And so 
what ended up happening happening in this is three betazoids are supposed to be transferred from one place to another <clears throat> um, and suddenly the whole crew breaks out um, doing things that are untoward their normal behavior um, I need to throw something into the chat one second and the thing about this is that the three betazoids are having a good old time but Deanna Troy never did or Deanna depending on who you were at the time whichever way the wind blows um, Deanna Troy and Deanna Troy are the same person but people would say her name differently uh, regularly so it says introduced in Star Trek the next generation the betazoids are an empathic species it says empathetic um, okay i don't uh, think that's right yeah i think it's empathic um species which made troy an ideal ship's counselor aboard the uss enterprise d uh an empath troy was a shoulder to cry on for many of the tng uh, colleagues from dr beverly crusher um to her most challenging case barkley who <laughs> yeah was a, a handful well anyway Luoxana Troy is Deanna Troy's mom and she like her most one of her most notable episodes was she was getting married and they they get married naked everybody has to be naked um yeah anyway uh the whole show with her is she's extravagant and bombastic and straightforward and uh fun loving and Deanna Troy was much starchier much more down to earth kind of dry white toast kind of a, a, a person at least publicly right but I mean she started going out with Worf so I don't know you know what goes on behind closed doors um, that makes more sense if you listen to the greatest generation podcast by the way Anyway, um, going through this episode, I was like, wow, you know, they're actually <laughs> um, kind of pumping up Betazoids as being partiers because they were walking around with um, yard long drinks and just pounding them down again and again and again and, and having a good time. Um, but wasn't that a cover also? It was a cover and but they were still fun loving betazoids because the cover was being a normal betazoid they ended up being um internal affairs but they started out as your typical everyday fun loving betazoids on the way back to their home world um and well you you can't be uh your average everyday undercover betazoid and then act like uh, a party girl or person um if that's supposed to be your cover and it's not the normal behavior of a betazoid right so i thought that was really interesting and then i heard because uh, I listened to other people's podcasts after I watched this show. Um, 
after I watched Lower Decks and they detected that and we're talking about it. And now this one is talking about it as well. So it's a lot of fun. Um, if you are interested in this kind of stuff, then you definitely want to go over and watch or read Screen Rant. You definitely want to download the Greatest Generation podcast, um, which is all about uh, Star Trek, uh, the next generation. Uh, well, actually all of them. Um, they uh, Every once in a while, throw in other episodes but they're covering both the next generation right now i think it's next generation still that they're on and um lower decks they'll also do things like um, strange new worlds when it comes back and whatnot anyway um yeah eventually in this article they talk about troy's romance with Worf. So it says it was a jarring addition to Star Trek The Next Generation's final season, but perhaps her rejection of Betazoid hedonism could explain it because he was very serious. Even if I think that he was an ineffective security officer, um, he uh, he ended up dating Troy. (laughs) Ultimately, though, Troy ends up um, with uh, Riker. So... This was a weird relationship that nobody ever saw coming. Anyway, that's it for that. Um, Let's go on to the next article. The last article is in the Mobile channel. And I think that you'll get a kick out of this um, because if you are allergic to synthetic red colors, there actually is a natural colorant out there, but it's wildly expensive apparently and not really well known or available. This red dye was so valuable, it built cities. One family in Mexico is still making it the old way. Um, And just like the last article, I can say it 15 times because it's in the deck statement, it's in the snippet, it's on the title. One family in central Mexico is struggling to preserve the production of uh, cochineal. Um, How many families? One. What did I say? I was just harping on the repetitiveness. Oh, of <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you were supposed to just repeat like one family. One and family. Like, Where? One, one family. One family. In Mexico. In central Mexico, just to be accurate and precise. Um, it's an intense natural red dye. So prized that after gold and silver, it was probably the most valuable thing that the Spaniards found in Mexico. Let's go over to the source. It's an AP article, apnews.com. Um, it's in the world news category and Fernanda, yeah, Fernanda Pesci, um, is the author, uh, Topiacach, I guess, uh, Mexico. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. This, this, uh, article has a video and you really do need to watch the video. So I'm going to hit play and, um, We'll watch it for a little bit and I'm going to jump forward just so that you can see what goes on. So they're brushing these little piles of something off of a cacti or cactuses. What's the plural cacti? Um, yes. And uh, what's in them in these little pods are insects. And the female ones apparently have a red colorant. They get dried out in the sun. They grind them up. And this makes um, 
a certain style of red dye that was basically known for being royal, like Europeans purple. Um, this is, uh, I guess, Mexico's red. Uh, and it's this little insect in this pod that creates a dusty little coating. And then they sit there by hand and flake them off these <laughs> these cactus what are those called cactus leaves cactus i don't know what yeah it looks like a punch of cactus or something because they're the round yeah ones. so it says for centuries red clothing along with purple had been a sign of power and wealth because it was rare and expensive purple actually was um made with lead or mercury and it led to the idea of the Mad Hatter being um, crazy because of mercury poisoning. Um, an indigenous Mexican process deriving the pigment from insects gave the Spanish Empire a new source of red dye. Some of Mexico's most picturesque and imposing colony cities, colonial cities like Oaxaca, were uh, essentially built on the wealth derived from uh, cochineal dye, also called carmine and known as grana cochinilla in spanish um, it was much prized by the spanish nobility and it would go on to die among other garments the british empire's red coat military uniforms before it began to be replaced by synthetic dyes in the 1800s um, what's interesting though is that you may not be allergic to this red dye but you're allergic to synthetic reds um, some of which have actually been outlawed, replaced with other synthetics that aren't as vibrant, aren't as um, cheap, etc. So I thought it was a really interesting article that I would highlight here in Omtown. Um, but they're not able to make a living off of this, so they actually sell fruit on the side. Um, but I, I, I can see that if they were to... Um, be able to mass produce this faster then it would be the natural colorant for various things um they say right, i think there'd be a large market for it but maybe they don't have the, enough scale or it's not able to be um stabilized or preserved i'm not sure yeah i i think it's because it can't be produced cheaply um at their greenhouse rows of hundreds of cactus pads are held on racks suspended in the air and covered by a white powder. That's a sign of the insect working beneath, drawing nourishment from the juices of the nopal um, and protecting themselves with the waxy powder. Pretty cool. Um, they basically take it um, off of those cactus pads and then grind them up. So I wonder why they wouldn't... Uh, you know, they can produce technology that can kind of just pull both sides of the cactus pads off and, and it gets brushed into something and then you know you just grind it up um, but i guess there's a lot of babysitting but they say that they've tried to automate a little bit make it less manual work with machinery that they tried to invent but they may not have the resources to make that technological leap from something that is you know just a granular increase right because this isn't a large scale 
yeah. operation. So. Yeah, they make 220 pounds of uh, cochineal dye that they produce a year. Though they're trying to diversify into soaps, creams, cosmetics, and other products derived from the nopal, um, such as jam, which is interesting. So um, this is something that I'm interested in simply because it's a natural colorant, although it's still processed. Uh, I'm really curious if any research has shown that this has is natural to the point where you're not going to be made sick by it uh, because I know people that are allergic to red dye. And anaphylactic shock from red dye is much more troublesome um, <laughs> uh, for, for people because you ingest it and it uh, basically becomes pervasive. It isn't like a skin rash or something. So it, it kind of lays you low. So it says we are having problems with synthetics and chemicals, she said. So I think that there is a revolution going on of returning to once was what was once produced because it kept us much healthier. And I agree. Um, although it is coming from tiny bugs and people might have a problem with it. You might want to look at the drinks you're drinking because your colorant in that might actually come from a bug shell right now. You just don't know it yes surprise <laughs> so when they talk about uh, everybody eats you know 5.8 spiders in a year um, first off that's actually bunk um, that's not true but uh, if you are eating bugs it's because scientists have done enough research to determine that it's a colorant or a flavorant or something um, and now you're doing it. So you're eating bugs, ew, bug eaters. Do you want to see anything else about this? No, I mean, I wish we saw more of this, but I suspect a lot of these traditional um, products are probably being lost with generational change technology. Yep. I mean, like farming, for instance, you know, we've talked about this before because we know some farmers that um, either have orchards or actual farms, which, I mean, to me, it's one and the same, just one is closer to the ground. Um, the, what's going on is it's that is some rough trade. You have to get up early. It's backbreaking work. It's very expensive with the equipment. It's laborious, right? Well, one bad winter, summer, etc., can ruin all your crops. Yep. And you have to pick up the pieces still. The work is still there. And then you have to recover from that bad, uh, oh, I don't know, climate change impacted uh, production. So you don't get as much that year. And if you didn't play your cards right, invest it right, you're basically down and out. Um, well, what would you rather do? Be sent to school and get. Um, you know a bachelor's degree or up to a master's degree um and work for a company doing what you would normally be doing for your family but you're doing it for a mega corporation that has acquired all of its land through mergers and acquisitions um and you're making two hundred thousand dollars a year without any of the struggle you're working nine to five if that um, and you can do gig work on the side, you know, if you go into programming, engineering, all kinds of stuff. Um, it's a whole lot 
better economically unless your intent is to grow your farm um, and if you've ever talked to anybody in the in the food industry it's similar to that because you're working on razor thin margins and you have to have a ton of uh, you know five six seven restaurants to be really filthy rich unless your restaurant happens to cater to extremely lucrative customers nowadays hell mcdonald's is lucrative everything seems to be lucrative not as a consumer though yeah exactly so um that's it for today i think that you would be interested in this stuff um that we've presented today so i hope you go back and look at the show notes look at the vod over on twitch come over to youtube uh it's typically getting posted the next morning um although sometimes i get it done um within an hour uh, depending on how much work i'm doing so be sure to go over to youtube follow us there ring the bell subscribe it's a a podcast over on apple and everywhere else but on apple i'm directly integrated into its uh, review system so if you leave a five-star review i will read your review um live on the show uh, as, as soon as i'm informed that there's a review um and there's a discord and a patreon uh yes there's a TikTok. <laughs> don't say it so begrudgingly there's a TikTok too all right anyway um kind of like one of those uh bus rides through hollywood we bring you all the way back to main street and then we show you that hey if you click that sign right there you get a whole bunch more news by the way i have a news update that has not made it into hometown yet okay uh it looks like the shutdown will be averted Uh, for 45 days for 45 days and then we'll do this again oh did you hear that clanking sound that's the can being kicked down the road so wingnuts can get more foothold um anyway oh right here that's actually right at the top actually just passed it minutes ago yeah so got a whole lot of news um oh gosh the the john wick chapter four pitch meeting those are really funny over on youtube if you want to watch the video version of that um let's see i don't know there's a lot of stuff 13 ghosts um let's see a gaming headset that delivers quality and comfort from razor the kyra pro hyperspeed all right um there's a bunch of stuff folks go and check it out so i'm going to bring us all the way back up and i'm gonna say thank you very much for hanging out and chatting and um watching the videos over on youtube or in the vods here on twitch and i'll say good night so i am Mirwad. that is hometown.com and up there is the ai that keeps me on track you want to say let's see you want to say bye bye did you want to say night on town citizens (laughs) we'll see you tomorrow at 8 p.m eastern take care everybody have fun and 
Uh, have a good weekend. See you tomorrow, 8 p.m. Bye-bye. Thank you.